0: This week, we had the third largest jump in Fiat Federal Reserve Emergency Bank Term Funding Program, BTFP, which began in last year's March bank run crisis of 2023. There are currently over $7 trillion of uninsured deposits in the U.S. banking system, and the Fed's BTFP program lends to banks based on the full face value of underwater treasuries they invested in. That which was last reported at being over one-half trillion in unrealized losses outstanding for banks that hold them. Given that this is emergency bank lending program is about to expire in another 35 business days, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency in the United States is now hatching new plans to try and get ahead of the next wave of potential bank runs to come. The following is Michael Sue the head of the OCC, trial ballooning the coming changes to emergency bank lending program on Bloomberg.
1: Begin with news that Bloomberg broke just this afternoon that the OCC, together with the Fed and FDIC, are looking at introducing a plan to require banks to tap the Fed's discount window at least once a year. Why make them tap a liquidity backstop that they may not
2: need? It's a great question. And I think it helps to back up a little bit and say, why are we doing this? And it's because the speed of bank runs has gotten faster. You know last year um, in 2008 you had Wachovia and Washington Mutual. They failed. They endured 10 to 20 billion dollar outflows over two weeks. Last year uh, almost exactly a year ago you had Silicon Valley Bank endured 40 billion dollars in a single day. So we clearly need we need to build better brakes for a faster financial world. And that's what I uh, talked about earlier today.
1: Well so how great do you think the risk is like that an episode like what we saw back in March of 2023 could happen again. Do you think eminently banks may face those kind of liquidity challenges the sudden withdrawal of funds.
2: No I don't think it's imminent. and That's why we're we're, we're taking our time to get this right. Um, what's really critical is that uninsured deposits there's a lot of uninsured there's over seven trillion dollars of uninsured deposits in the system. What We saw last year there was some uncertainty around that. Now, we've solved a lot of that through supervision on an individual bank-by-bank basis. What I previewed today was to say, can we basically address this now through regulation in an efficient, targeted manner so it's consistent and can provide a lot of confidence to everybody.
0: This latest announced seemingly stopgap lending measurement will likely only continue leading to further U.S. bank consolidations. When you look at the data, the trend is clear-cut. At the start of this 21st century, there were over 10,000 U.S. banks and thrifts, and now there are under 5,000 with the largest four commercial banks controlling about 40% of the entire U.S. bank market share.
1: Okay, but do you think there is a world in which, especially knowing as a result of the banking crisis uh, back in March that we talked about, J.P. Morgan got even bigger, they just had a blowout year as a result, that some of these other smaller players may need to consolidate regardless of those capital requirements, but just to compete with big guys that are just getting bigger and are the most resilient?
2: Yeah, so we've got a dynamic, it's it's a strength of the U.S. banking system. It's dynamic and it's diverse. And that's really, really critical because we have a very dynamic and diverse U.S. economy. And so I think that that's natural. There's a naturalness to that. Now, we need to make sure that every merger is pro-competitive, pro-community, pro-financial stability. Um, These are parts of the statutory framework. Those are the criteria we use to evaluate every single merger. Uh, So, but, but... You know, there are a lot of forces that lead to different mergers, uh, it's not just regulation, and all of that comes to bear you know, for us as the OEC, as a bank regulator, we need to make sure that each merger uh, fulfills all of those statutory requirements.
0: Those words sound nice, but mean little when we look at the Federal Reserve's own data over the last more than decade and a half, an era where over 4,500 bank mergers were approved with only one single merger denial made. The trend towards further bank consolidations and potentially the eventual launch of a CBDC future marches on. Yet this week, that topic is beginning to make its way into more mainstream political promise points.
2: Tonight, I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. You know about me?
0: U.S. stock market bulls celebrated to end this week as the broad S&P 500 index closed with a new nominal price high record. This new nominal price high record has been driven by the top five largest stocks in the market. If we look at the broad U.S. stock market, a different, more bearish picture becomes obvious. The Russell 2000, the smallest 2,000 U.S. stocks, are still in a bear market, down more than over negative 20% from their record high achieved in late 2021. At the moment, in one of the most important tells under the hood, the U.S. corporate insider stock sales to buy ratio is at an all time high, illustrating that corporate directors are currently cashing out and dumping their overvalued stocks onto mostly unknowing passive investors who will likely end up realizing historic valuation losses over the coming years. As well, what is likely lost in this new stock market nominal highs euphoria is that this new nominal price high on a real basis when considering high price inflation over the last few years means yeah nominally the stock market broadly is at a new nominal high number but in real terms measured by gold it's lost value looking ahead in the coming years seeing the S&P 500 divided by spot gold price ratio again reaching one is an eventuality. Moreover, I think it's conservative to suggest that we'll eventually see this historic stock versus gold ratio fall below its 2011 low levels as gold eventually peaks in a manic phase and real valuation gains. My expectation remains that gold will likely lead a coming boom in commodity values as we go through an all-time secular inflation cycle to come. More data and cutting-edge information on this week in the silver and gold markets after this brief message. Hello, this is James Anderson on behalf of SD Bullion. Smash the like button if you enjoy these bullion market updates. Subscribe to our channel here for weekly bullion market updates with exclusive bullion service offerings like this one. The worst day on Wall Street since the crash of
1: 1987. We're now down 43%. This could be the most serious recession in decades. Protect your retirement with gold and silver IRAs. Learn more at sdbullion.com backslash IRA.
0: The Spot gold and silver markets sold off this week while the spot gold price did finish for the ninth week in a row above 2000 an ounce. It remains to be seen if and when we might see the spot price dip below 2000 again. The spot silver price fell to close at $22.79 an ounce ask while the spot gold silver ratio climbed to close just under 90 for the week. More on that important ratio in a few moments. First, a deeper look at the ongoing changes in the world's largest manufacturing and export powerhouses over the last century and a half. Gone is the era of the English and U.S. empire domination, with China having surged over the last few decades in global export market share. Under the hood, what has been changing for China since the year 2018 has been its now nearly doubling of exports with other large emerging markets a sign that a more multipolar world trade order is coming into fruition. Not surprisingly, in a world that is forecasted to have massive deficits in silver supply versus demand by the end of this decade, Chinese traders on Shanghai Futures Exchange were taking advantage of the recent silver spot price dip this week by taking some 200 metric tons of silver bullion out of their warehouses. That's a little over 6.4 million ounces withdrawn this week. Silver bullion inventory levels underlying the Chinese futures market have fallen precipitously since their 2021 high levels, having some 2,000 metric tons withdrawn or just over 64 million ounces, taking Shanghai futures exchange levels to low levels not seen since 2016 and 2018 respectively. This trend of falling available silver bullion inventory levels is not Chinese unique, as this too has been happening worldwide and in the Western world ever since the 2019 peak of nearly 1 billion ounces to a now reported 437 million ounce level. As we look at the prospect of higher spot gold prices after the start of the coming Federal Reserve interest rate cutting cycle, 21st century data covering the last three cutting cycles suggests an average plus 30% nominal price gain in the year that follows for gold. That is why seeing spot gold prices over 2,500 ounce in 2025 would simply be the 21st century history of gold price rhyming. Adding on to that, the coming potential price rise momentum pile on ahead is the fact that when measuring current gold allocations in terms of assets under management, gold investment allocations are currently only one-third of where they were during the 2011 peak. Only one-half percent of gold allocation at the moment in early 2024 compared to a measly 1.5% which was peaked and achieved in August of 2011. There's a potential runway here for a self-reinforcing swift rise in gold spot prices during both the coming Federal Reserve cutting cycle and the likely coming secular bear market for the still dominant fiat US dollar ahead. If we've indeed already seen a top in relative fiat US dollar index, This chart argues that a coming top for the gold-silver ratio on an intermediate basis is not far from now. Generally, during US dollar bear markets, the gold-silver ratio slims as silver eventually plays catch-up to gold's lead. And perhaps still the most undervalued asset class in the world today. In terms of current assets under management data, silver investment allocations are a measly six basis points, compared to its April 2011 top of nearly seven times that allocation. Fundamentally speaking, and based on trends in silver supply demand market data, the world is improperly allocated, and coming silver shortages will likely become the norm without markedly higher spot price escalations to come. That's going to be all for this week's SD Bullion Market Update. As always, to you out there, take great care of yourselves and those you love. If you enjoyed this video, hit the like button and share it with those you love. Subscribe to our channel and hit that alert button so you know when we publish new bullion market updates.